Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Voice Fitting Plates. I'm Kira And I'm Em. And I have literally nothing to say to bridge us to the next part, so I'm just <laughs> gonna cut straight to it. You would think like 29 or 28, whatever it is, that man- amount of episodes in, we might have this down by now, but no. Like, I think we need to come up with like an actual line, like something that's just standard, like the beginning yeah. of the episode, but it's not. And like sometimes there's something to say, sometimes there's not, and today's one of those days. So without further ado, do you want to hit us with your high and low of this week? So my high of the week is actually <laughs> a pretty <laughs> weird one. Kira just said that I had to make this my high of the week. Otherwise we we'll split to. up. Slip up? <laughs> we'll slip up somewhere <laughs> and we'll end up mentioning it without ever like mentioning it, mentioning it. Mm-hmm. So my high of the week is that my time as a single acne ant <laughs> columnist has come to an end. Oh my god. I am no longer single. Wow. Wow. It feels very weird to say, I'm not going to lie to you. I know, this is going to be nice now, because like now, when we do the relationship questions, I won't be the only one who's like, sorry, can't talk about that from experience, um, because... Like, I just don't know about dating, and now you'll be with me in the relationship club, which is fun. I'll still be on hand to answer all of the dating dilemmas. Mm -hmm. I'll live vicariously through our Agony Ant questions now that I am no longer in the dating world. Very, very strange to say, but really exciting and really lovely. So that's my high of the week. Probably divulge more as episodes go on, but right now, I'm just going to leave it at that. (laughs) Um, And then my low of the week... I am completely unprepared for. No, I know what my love of the week is. I'm going to go for the fact that it feels like there's been so much socialising going on. We were just talking about this when we started FaceTiming. It's definitely a thing, social burnout. And I'm feeling it. I really am. Yeah. Like, it is currently Monday evening. We've both just finished work and I... I'm not gonna lie to you, I've already got my pyjama pants on and I'm very Mm -hmm. excited to eat dinner and go to bed with a good book. I'm currently reading Friends and Strangers by J. Courtney Sullivan. It was a good job that was on the bed so I could just turn behind. Uh, And yeah, I'm really excited to get a good chunk of it read tonight. But yeah, the low I think is definitely the fact that the downside of having so much like social life and like fun social plans like I feel Mm -hmm. like I did a lot of fun things this weekend my family came up to York um and it was just really nice to see them and we went to different restaurants and we went for brunch Uh, but the downside I guess of a lot of socializing particularly after a year of doing pretty much nothing in terms Mm -hmm. of socializing is that it comes with burnout oh my god it's just a lot like it really is because I feel like you know before lockdown I worked in an office and I would see people every day so like there was always some element of like socializing like on a daily basis and then you know sometimes you'd have a chill weekend other times you'd see people but it just felt like more of like general part of your routine whereas I think been you know in lockdown for so long and then all of a sudden for me I'm like back to work after being on furlough for ages and then back to socializing with people and it's just like oh my god my brain does not have the like energy for this anymore I just need my quiet time so it's definitely a shock to the system especially when like we to kind of I mean we would have done this anyway I think but we definitely to fill the time in lockdown we like took on more creative responsibilities like we started our podcast we both do YouTube like there are lots of other things as well as a job as well as social life that we are Mm. now having to like pack into the same amount of time and so I think it is hard to find that balance again and it does come with the fact that (laughs) definitely on a Monday after a busy weekend you just want to sleep for a week (laughs) Yeah. Also, we just mentioned that this is the first Monday that we've been in work for like the last few weeks because we both had the Monday after my work off because we went for brunch and then last Monday... After your work off? 
your birthday. birthday. Wow. <laughs> See, this is what happens when you try and record after a full day of work is that words <laughs> words just don't but yeah we both had that work day off after my birthday and then last Monday was bank holiday so it's like the first for me yeah. it's the first five day working week for you <laughs> I just booked a cheeky little flexi Friday so it is I'm another jealous. four day weekend for me but yeah I'm also feeling in that mindset I've had like a full afternoon of spreadsheets and I'm really <laughs> really feeling it so it's gonna be fun to actually chat rather than type into a spreadsheet but that's my high and low of the week uh, new boyfriend and social burnout so what's your high and low Okay, so my high, I was just thinking about it as we were having this discussion, and I knew what my high was going to be immediately, but I thought of something else that makes it even more of a high. So, um, tomorrow, which is the 8th of June, is my mum's birthday, but she works in a school, which means that she can't book her actual birthday off, so instead of doing something tomorrow, um, we decided to do something on Saturday, just gone, so we ended up all going up to the Dales, which is where she lives, me, my brother, my sister, my mum went out for lunch, and it was lovely, we went to a place called Malham which is like a oh I love Malham it's so beautiful um I've been a few times but I've never really stopped for like food or anything just gone for walks before but we went to this um like a restaurant called The Secret Garden which was really lovely right by the river it was so sunny and we sat outside and it was just absolutely wonderful they had amazing vegan options as well there was like I got a burger and chips for my main and then they had a millionaire shortbread sundae vegan obviously oh, for pudding a vegan millionaire shortbread yeah, sundae it was wow. incredible they also had vegan sticky toffee pudding which would have been my choice if it was like a cold day but on a hot day I was like sticky yeah. toffee pudding not the one but it was amazing that they had so many options so that was really incredible um, and it was just so nice to like be with each other you know like it just feels like a bit of a treat after having like first of all been in lockdown for so long but now we all obviously at one point in our lives lived in the same house being that we're immediate family but um <laughs> you know now I live in York my brother lives in Leeds my mum lives in the Dales and so we don't see each other as much as we used to so it's always nice to have those days where you can get together but the thing that made this experience <laughs> so much more of a high <laughs> do I know what this is <laughs> no you don't but I think you're gonna enjoy it or at least I hope you will so we were stood outside of this restaurant waiting to check in and a couple Um, A man, a woman, and their two dogs were stood behind us, and the woman of this couple was quite rude, and she was like, excuse me, can I get past, we want to sign in, Um, and I was like, all right, bitch, but she carried on. (laughs) Did you say um, that? (laughs) In my head, and then also to my sister, in real life, but um, (laughs) she went on with herself and ended up sitting at a table that was just near us, and the dogs were quite rowdy, they were two Springer Spaniels, and the uh, man of this couple ended up going into the like building and the woman stayed sitting outside with the two dogs um for some reason she decided to move seats so she went from a bench to like a garden table sat on this chair but then the dog decided that he didn't want to sit there so the dog that she was holding on the lead pulled her over into a <laughs> no. flower bed <laughs> I can't believe that's your weekly high, you horrible person. She was really rude, and my brother and my mum did say, oh my god, are you okay? But me and Atayan had to turn away because we just couldn't stop laughing. I'd have got the giggles at that. It was hilarious, because it just, (laughs) it happened almost in slow motion, like she knew it was happening, we knew it was happening, and then before we all knew it, she was in the flower bed, and it was, she wasn't hurt, so I just thought it was really funny, and a little bit of karma because she was rude. So that was the high, probably her low, if we were going to have her on the podcast. Um, (laughs) 
Um, Don't think she'll want to be a guest on the podcast after you laughed at her misfortune. No, it's probably true, but I wouldn't want her anyway. Um, but anyway, <laughs> then my low of the week. Um, partially is obviously that I'm tired, like what we've just discussed. But for me, I feel like that's manifested a bit in just like feeling very run down. And I get flare-ups of tonsillitis every few months. Um, don't know why. Uh, I think it's just because it's like a viral infection. So it can just like flare up unless you get your tonsils taken out, which I'm not planning on doing. So... I just get flare-ups and it happens when I'm a bit run down. So I've had a really sore throat this week. Um, I'm coming out of it now, which is great. But um, that was a bit of a down. Bit of a yeah, that, I'll, I'll accept that as your low. That doesn't sound very nice. No, it's just like, ugh, you again. Every time it happens, I'm like, God. <laughs> That's how I this. feel when we, uh, when we <laughs> come on to do this podcast. <laughs> that is so rude. I feel upset. Ah, <laughs> uh, Right had a big gulp of tea I am such a big having, having to drink a lot more because I feel like when I'm when I have the tonsillitis I just get so thirsty and I don't know if it's like a placebo but I feel like the more liquid I drink the more it goes away so <laughs> uh yeah uh any other bits from your week that you want to talk about yeah, I feel like this week's just been so much fun. So as I mentioned, like, I feel like I've mentioned this actually a very, very few, <laughs> I don't know if I said it like that, <laughs> a very few amount of times um, that I was really excited to go to Del Rio's in York, which was that Italian oh, yeah. restaurant. And I finally went, as I mentioned, my family came up for Saturday night. And so they stayed for Saturday night in the evening and then Sunday day. So we went to the Italian restaurant in York. Oh my goodness, that food was what incredible i got bruschetta to start mm-hmm. and then i got it's like a pumpkin sage parmesan oh, butter ravioli it. oh it stop was incredible it. like oh that combination of like butternut squash or pumpkin and with like sage, sage and parmesan incredible oh it's totally life-changing like it is <laughs> my favorite combo and then i classed it right up and i ordered a sex on the beach <laughs> everyone else was drinking like red wine <laughs> <laughs> you were like, like, I'm here for a I'll good time. on the beach. It was on a menu, to be fair. It was on the menu. Exactly. They wouldn't, you know, put it on the menu if they didn't want people to order it. Exactly. But. Which I felt rounded off the meal well. And then the morning <laughs> after, uh, we went to Brew and Brownie, which is, if you don't know York, it is like one of the most famous brunch places in York, mm-hmm. brunch cafe places. Um, and I had breakfast there with my family and it was just Yum. so, so lovely. And then my final thing that I have to mention is that I was sat in the park the other day in the sun was really blissful and i saw a cat on a lead what you know like those traveling cats on leads that you see on tiktok that travel yeah. the world it was like one of those cats it was a tiny little tabby kitten and they had it a on a kitten. lead yeah yeah and they had it on a lead and they like perched it on a rock and they were taking photos of it for instagram oh my God. and so we walked past it and it wouldn't obviously didn't come over to me because there's loads of people in the park. And then we chose this really secluded spot and mm-hmm. I turned round and it was running over to me. Oh my god. It was literally what an like honor. I know. It was literally the best moment of my life. It was right up there. <laughs> For the wow. man with I mean, the cat. I can imagine. Yeah, I was I was elated. And it came over to me, thought it was gonna like let me stroke it, and then it just ran past me. And the man was laughing because I was really upset that it didn't come to me and let me that is sad that is a bit sad but you know you can't win them all at least you were in its presence you know you were in its vicinity yeah exactly i've never seen that before 
Never seen it before, no, but it's definitely another weekly high. <laughs> I do follow a couple on Instagram and YouTube who travel the world in a van, and their cat, Gingy, um, <laughs> is, like, super well-trained. She knows that the van is her home, even though they travel all around the world, and she has, like, a GPS tracker on her collar just in case she gets lost, but she basically just, like, goes out and then just comes back to the van, so... Oh my goodness. It's a vibe. Um, and on the topic of cats, I wanted to mention that this week was a big week for Oscar. <laughs> oh yeah, um, Oscar's big milestone. <laughs> he obviously um, moved in with me and Jay in March when we moved to our new house in York. Um, and in the house that we lived in before, he lived in the garden because he didn't get on with Jay's parents' cats and he kind of just turned up and we gradually just adopted him. So this was the first time that he had like lived in a house. So we wanted to let him settle in completely, get really comfortable and just like chill out before we let him back outside in yeah. our new area. And also the weather's been terrible. So this week the weather picked up and we decided it was finally time to let Oscar out. I say we, Jay kind of decided. I was like, no, what if he gets hurt? Um, but <laughs> Overprotective mother. Exactly. Um, as, as it turns out, I needn't have worried because he like goes out, has a little explore around the garden and then just like takes himself back upstairs when he's done. So he's very chill, except for next door neighbour's cat, Baxter, who I know you're friends with, um, but he and Oscar are not friends. Um, and I mean, I don't want to be a traitor. Scary. He's cute. Baxter is so uh, loving I'm once you get to know him. He's very cute to humans, but you should have seen him with Oscar. It was terrifying. Oscar ran inside to escape from him. Jay closed the door and then I heard this massive bang and he had like thrown himself at the door like a gorilla. It was terrifying. <laughs> and then you should see, like he actually looks like a gorilla walking around outside. It was very scary. So um, poor Oscar has been taken down a peg or two, but he's going outside enjoying the sun. And that was a big milestone for him this week. And um, in my life, the only other thing really to note, well, I suppose there's two. The first one is that Jay and I did another pottery class together, which was fun. So I am continuing on my pottery journey. Is there video footage of Jay trying the pottery class? There's no video footage, but he does have images of the pot that he created. And it was incredible. I was so impressed. Oh, yeah. I've seen that picture. Yeah. Um, So he did a great job. Um, I did a less good job that time, but I still had fun. I didn't do as good on the wheel, but I did some really nice hand building. And on that note, I decided to buy myself 10 kilograms of clay um, to do some practicing at home. (laughs) That is the most Kira sentence I have ever heard. Goes to one pottery class. I've ordered 10 kilograms of clay. (laughs) Now, I will say that that wasn't like a number that I decided to go for. That just seems to be like the size that they come in. Like you don't seem to be able to get like smaller bags. So I'm not just like a total crazy person, but a little bit I am. Um, And then the final thing to mention from my week is just leading on from last week, Grey's Anatomy is still a big part of my life. I'm now on season nine, but the season eight finale, oh my God. What was the season eight finale? Was that the plane? That's the plane, yeah. Oh, oh, darn, that one's a rough one. I cried, I cried a lot. I was like, what Were you expecting it? I knew that it happened to those two characters, but I didn't know it happened so soon. Like, oh, I right. I had more yeah, time, I, I guess know. if you like knew that was going to happen, it would seem like they were only just finding their feet and then it's all ripped from them. Yeah, like I thought, you know, because I knew Christina leaves in season 10 and Derek leaves in season 11. So I thought maybe like 
Lexi wouldn't go until after, but no, apparently no. Meredith just has like one major loss after another for yeah. the next. God Shonda Rhimes thought, let's let's see what we can do here that's really going to make an impact. And she really did. She did it. She went there. And it, it yeah, hurt. she went it there. Hurt I remember when I watched that one, I was just like distraught. Like, I had no idea that those characters were leaving when I watched it. Yeah. And so it And I just think with Lexi, like, you don't have any time to get used to it. Like, with Mark, you kind of like become accustomed to the idea because it's like dragged out over a few more episodes. But with Lexi, it's just like, whoa. What's going on? What happened? It's over before it's even started. RIP. So. I like how throughout the entirety of that you were trying to just say the people that leave and you were trying not to give spoilers and then you just spoiled it. I thought, you know what, actually, you spoiled it all last week so why bother really yeah. trying to keep it quiet? It's fine. I feel like, yeah. It's season sorry eight if we... and there's now 19 seasons so like, you know, if you're like me and you're starting late, I think you just have to be okay with getting spoiled because it's yeah. impossible not to, so... My uncle is watching them from the beginning and they don't like look at any spoilers. They don't know anything about it apart from he did know um, about Derek leaving and he was talking to me about the finale where one of the main characters leaves and I went, oh, you mean the one where Mark and Lexi die? (laughs) And he was like, wait, what? (laughs) Oh my God, you're on a roll with just telling people stuff. I know. So he said that he like is waiting for me to start something that he's already started and then he will get payback. (laughs) So I've now got to keep it a secret when I start a new program. It's like a spoiler tell him when you've finished programs. Exactly. Lol. But yeah, so that's been my week. Grey's Anatomy is taking up the largest portion of my time. Hence the lack of any reading updates because who's, who's reading? Not me. Not me either, to be fair. I'm finding it really difficult on top of everything to fit reading in, especially now that we do like some gym sessions in the morning, because obviously my most productive hour for reading is in the morning. So Ooh, I feel like it's, it's getting harder and harder to find the time, but tonight is the night. So I mean, I was going to say, you. so that's that's the weekly roundup, but that has no relation to tonight being the night. But anyway, let's wrap, <laughs> let's wrap this up and move on to the main theme. Let's do it. Okay, so this week's weekly theme, I think is perhaps a little bit different to what we usually do because we Mm -hmm. make so much bookish content on our other platforms. I feel like we keep this space relatively book free, but I think this is a good (laughs) hybrid of the two. So this week's weekly theme is all about nonfiction and memoirs, which I feel like is a good balance because I know that not everyone reads fiction, but I feel like Mm non-memoir, non-memoir, (laughs) non-fiction, non-fiction and memoirs is kind of a little bit more lifestyle-y. And so it has more of a home on this podcast so we mm-hmm. thought that since I got into non-fiction a lot last year like I had never really been a non-fiction person but then yeah. when I finished university I really started craving that learning experience mm-hmm. so I started to pick up more non-fictions and then I was talking about it on my channel and then I made Kira read some and now Kira reads non-fiction so we thought we would do a non-fiction episode Yes, I'm very excited about it. I always had this like preconceived idea that nonfiction was either like boring, as in like textbooks, you know, like you would have had to have read yeah. in school, or that it was like just trashy, like celebrity biographies. Not that there's anything wrong with that if that's what you want to read, but there's just like that didn't appeal to me. And then it was when I read a particular memoir in the spring of last year 
that had been very highly recommended to me. Someone bought it as a gift and then it just changed my whole perspective on memoirs and non-fiction as a genre in general. And then you sort of had been talking about it a lot more and then gradually I was like, you know what, maybe this is the one for me. And I've actually been reading a lot more non-fiction than fiction recently and it is just a great time. So, it's a vibe. Yeah. It's truly it really a is. vibe. It I feel like vibe. I read <laughs> the vibe. I feel like I read just as much memoir as I do fiction nowadays. In my reading mm-hmm. vlogs, I try to read one of each. I just really like that way of learning. And even though it's not the traditional way that I've always learned in the education system, like I'm not learning about rock formations or earthquakes or, you well, know, all of those <laughs> all of those geog- geographical terms, but I'm learning about other people's lived experiences. And I think that's mm-hmm. still really really, really important. And I just really like reading them. So the way we're going to set up this weekly theme is we've each chosen three non-fictions that we really loved. Is there, is it, is that a term? Non-fictions? Yeah, multiple non-fiction. Non-fiction books. We've each chosen three that we really enjoyed and we're going to briefly discuss them, try and keep it quite minimal and then we've Head also blog. got the yeah i said that have book. you met us <laughs> no well i have <laughs> and then we've each picked two non-fictions that are on our tbr so on our to be read pile for the upcoming months so do you want to kick it off with your first non-fiction recommendation i'd absolutely love to good so the <laughs> first non-fiction recommendation i almost just spoiled when i was talking about it but i managed to avoid the title of the book but i feel i have to include the book that was my very first non-fiction and that is just incredible and that is educated by tara westover read that in the like easter holidays of last year so like around april time and it was just so impactful it was obviously a memoir because that's what we're talking about here but it is a memoir that I think reads like a fiction like it's just so unbelievable that that was her life and just it's just wild so just to give a brief summary about what it's about um Tara Westover was born into a extremely religious prepper family so her parents were preparing for the end of the world they because of this like really mistrust the government and anything that's even remotely associated with the government and that includes things like medicine and schools so Tara and lots of her siblings are not registered they don't have a formal education they're not um privy to having any kind of like medical treatment and it's just like they live a very very sheltered like removed life from the rest of society um of course like they don't live entirely separately from society because you have to kind of integrate with society somewhat in order to exist and so she has these like brief snippets where she gets an insight into the outer world and the older she gets the more she starts to kind of question like what's going on whether or not her parents view of the world in the way that she has been brought up is actually the way that she wants to view the world and essentially we see her going through both a formal and like a personal education as she kind of like branches out from her upbringing and starts to make her own way in the world um it also deals with some quite heavy topics about like mental illness and abuse and all kinds of other things like neglect and it's just really intense but it's just very well written i recently did i say written then or did i say written really well written written. um i recently (laughs) read this one and i because kira had been telling me that i should read it since i do love memoirs and it just completely blew me away there were times when i was reading it that i just could not believe that these things actually happened it's a really kind of insightful and inspiring memoir of someone who Mm -hmm kind of took the path that wasn't offered to her 
um, yeah. and really went against everything her family believed in. And I don't, I really enjoyed it too. It's definitely a good recommendation. Mm-hmm. So Very good. My first recommendation, I feel like I really struggled not to make all of these political memoirs. I tried to kind Whoa. of offer up a variety because in nonfiction, mm-hmm. I have definitely found my niche is female political memoirs. Absolutely love them. If you've got any recommendations for those, please send me them on Instagram because I would love to know. But the first book that I am going to be talking about is From the Corner of the Oval Office, One Woman's Misadventures, mm-hmm. Learning the Ropes, Falling in Love and Finding Her Voice by Beck Dory Stein. So I just call this one From the Corner of the Oval Office, but that was the long-winded yeah. <laughs> title. And this one, the New York Times on the front cover has blurbed it and said, Bridget Jones Goes to the White House. And it is Ooh. just, oh, honestly, when I read this book, I really needed something to distract me. Like I picked it up because I needed a distraction and I just mm-hmm. finished this one in a matter of hours. It was so, so good. So this one follows Beck Dory Stein, who as a young woman ended up getting a job in Barack Obama's White House as a stenographer. And I didn't know what a stenographer was. It's really hard to say. And it I is... thought you said a sonographer. Like, no, it... no. And that doesn't make sense for the White House <laughs> now that I think about it. A stenographer, if I remember correctly from this book, is the person that like transcribes everything the president Ooh. says and all of those kind of interviews and things like that. And so she's kind of goes into a role that she's never done before and the job just comes up by accident. And it is about how this experience completely transforms her 20s. She is kind of feeling very stagnant. She's in a long-term relationship, but she knows it might not be the one. She doesn't really know what she's doing in Washington. And then she ends up getting this job and it is just so interesting, both with an insight into the Oval Office and the White House and how US government works, because that's what I love about White House memoirs. I just love getting that glimpse into something that I don't think I would learn otherwise, whilst at the same time getting that female story of growth and blossoming into the person that you're going to become. Mm-hmm. She gets entangled romantically with a political colleague. It's very <laughs> it's very dramatic. It definitely is Bridget Jones meets the White House and I just absolutely love this one. So that's my first recommendation. Love it. Um my next recommendation, I feel like these are all books I've mentioned on this podcast. Yeah, I know before, me too, but, but we'll roll with it. <laughs> we're going to have to go with it. That's that's authentic. We love them so much we can't stop talking about them. So the next one on my list is Group by Christy Tate. Now, this one I actually got for M as a Christmas mm-hmm. present. Like was it a while? it was a while ago. Yeah, it was, it was like it was the year before last. I no, it must have been, been. Yeah. No, this wait, Christmas? what? No, it wasn't. You just got it for me, Leslie. <laughs> you got it yeah. for me. I <laughs> we don't need to it. go into the details. But yeah, so I bought it for M, and then when uh, she opened it, we had, like, had a little discussion about it, and then I was like, oh, that actually does sound quite interesting. So I ended up listening to this one on audiobook, and I'm really glad that I did, because it's narrated by the, the author, so Christy Tate narrates her own memoir, which I think is really nice. Yeah, I love it when like authors do that. Like a non-fiction. Um, And it's basically all about her experience of group therapy. So I think the subtext and long title of this book is How One Therapist and a Circle of Strangers Changed My Life. And it's all about this like radical group therapy experience that's maybe like not very, like it's a bit unorthodox the way that this therapist kind of like um, prescribes things to his patients and tells them to like, and by prescribes things, I don't mean like medicines. He kind of like gives them prescriptions of like behaviors that he wants them to try out and, and sort of things to challenge themselves. Yeah. So it's like very unorthodox and she is quite resistant to it at, at the beginning, but then part of her wants to kind of see, see it out and like see what happens if she sticks with it. And gradually throughout the years, she 
sticks with this therapy and it does like totally transform her life and what I think is so great about this memoir and what I liked the most about it was the fact that I think it's a very authentic look into mental health and mental illness recovery in the sense that there are loads of ups and downs like she'll have like a big win and then a massive setback and it's not just like a I'm gonna go to therapy and then all of a sudden everything's fixed like it felt very authentic and she explored all of the ups and downs that came along with it and I do think that listening to the audiobook made the experience even more authentic and personal but even still I think as a physical book it would be great but it was just a really really good authentic memoir. I definitely just found myself immersed in that one and I read Mm -hmm. that one really quickly too so definitely a good one. The second book that I'm going to talk about is one that I know I've mentioned on here before but I think it would really suit like the people that like from the kind of agony and questions that we get I think this would be a book that a lot of people would really enjoy so the second recommendation from me is Everything I Know About Love by Dolly Alderton which is Dolly Alderton she is the person that we often take questions from her agony ant column with the Sunday Times the Dear Dolly agony ant column she is a journalist uh, and she wrote a book all about everything she learned during her 20s so her kind of her teen years mainly her 20s and then the when she turned 30 what she learned and it's just Mm. a memoir about love and life and all of those fun bits in between it definitely is very self-aware that's what I love about this memoir it's it's not obnoxious it's very observant self-aware witty and just honest it's a very candid memoir Mm -hmm. about life in your 20s about things not always going to plan but that being okay and finding your way back in the end and it is just such a great read if you are into the kind of podcasts that talk about life in your 20s or you know Mm -hmm. agony ant columns just for that kind of person that loves those things you will love this memoir okay so my final memoir recommendation is actually a book that i literally only read last week um but it was so good and i just feel like it's going to stand at the test of time in terms of like ranking in my favorites and that one was all the young men by ruth coca burns yeah and this one is one that we both bought at the same time. Um, who was it that recommended it to you? It was Jenna from Feeling My Bookshelf on Instagram and we both bought it off her recommendation. Just to let you know, I am 250 pages into it so don't spoil anything about the ending. <laughs> I won't, but to give a brief summary about this book, um, it is set throughout the 80s and 90s and it's all about Ruth's experience advocating for people suffering with AIDS. So she kind of falls into this role that kind of defines her entire life. Ruth is in hospital visiting her friend who is um, like currently going through cancer treatment and while she's in this hospital she spots this one room that's kind of like cordoned off. None of the medical staff want to go in there. She sees nurses pulling straws to see who's going to have to go into this room to treat this particular patient. So kind of out of more than more of curiosity than anything else she goes into this room and discovers that it is a young man who is like literally on his deathbed and he's dying from AIDS um, and she decides to try and like contact his parents they want nothing to do with him and she quickly discovers just how isolated these men become especially at the beginning of this epidemic where there was little to no education about it people didn't know how it was transmitted and everyone just didn't want to catch it so 
she ends up spending this guy's dying moments with him and from there the hospital kind of treats her as like this go-to person like they keep pushing people towards her because they see it as an easy solution because she's willing to speak to them and to talk to them and they're not basically even though it's obviously their job so through there she ends up meeting more and more people she becomes really involved in this community and it becomes something that she kind of dedicates her life to trying to um, gain more information about how they can be treated reach people before they're on their deathbed and try and like help them to elongate their life um, increase testing to people increase education about how you can avoid yeah. transmitting it in the first place and she basically just does this incredible thing also whilst being a single mother trying to support her child and you know just like get along in this small southern community that she lives in without sort of making herself an outcast as well but she recognizes her privilege and tries to use that for good I just think it was a very harrowing story because there was so much loss it was just really sad you know to see first of all just how much loss there was you know these people yeah. were losing you know like often she'd see someone who had lost their partner their friends they were just surrounded by death and she was like all that they had essentially so that was sad but I think what was more sad was just seeing how these people who were ill were treated by society and how almost as though like no one wanted to accept that it was a problem that could affect them so it was pushed off as and like as being like this disease that only affected gay men and whilst people maintained that as a fact in their minds they could essentially just pretend it didn't affect them at all and they didn't need to care about it because it wasn't going to affect them and I just feel like it was so indicative of the mindset people have which is that you only need to care about stuff that's going to potentially affect you but if it's only going to affect another community that you're not involved in, then what's the point in caring? And I think Ruth was great because she kind of like defied that. But as we see throughout the memoir, it was like very true of a lot of people in society. So I think it was really impactful memoir. It was quite sad, quite heavy. There were some hopeful parts in it, um, but I just think it was really educational and provided a lot of insight into what happened during that time and with the progression of the epidemic that I didn't know as much about before. Definitely. I think that book is, I said this in my vlog because I've just been filming a reading vlog where I read mm -hmm. that one. It's one of those books that I think everyone should read. And I just yeah. was so disgusted at the way humans could treat other humans when I was reading that. Yeah. Like I just, I couldn't exactly. believe it. And also I had no idea how little education there was surrounding it. Like I knew that there was yeah. definitely, people didn't really understand the disease, but I just, the extent of that yeah. and how hard it was to get through to people and how people thought it really only affected gay men. It's just, it is a really insightful read, as you say, and it is harrowing, like you say, but I definitely think it's one that everyone should read. 100% worthwhile, yeah. Okay, so my final recommendation, I tried to go for something different other than a political memoir because I actually <laughs> have a political memoir sat right next to me and I've decided last minute not to go for it, just to give kind of a variety of books. Mm -hmm. I feel like between us, we've got the balance here. A lot of my choices yeah. seem a bit more trivial, Bridget Jones-esque, but I think I read the ones that you have already mentioned. I've actually read all three, but yeah. I think just to offer a range of books. A variety. Yeah, yeah I'm just gonna... Also, I'm gonna you've read a lot more than I have. I have a much more limited pool to choose from because I'm definitely newer to the non-fiction genre, so... Yeah, I love the books that you have mentioned, the ones that give kind of, I think yours are a bit more, would you say extreme or intense than the ones I've mentioned so far? Yeah, I think, absolutely. I think, yeah, I'm probably more drawn towards the ones that are like, whoa, I can't believe this actually is real. Like the ones that like, you have to question like, is this a fiction? Because it's like so wild. Whereas I think you like to read ones or at least 
some more of the ones that are like I can relate more to this in terms of my actual life whereas I quite like the ones where I'm like yeah Whoa, that's definitely a good way of putting life. it like I like to mix it up and have both in my reading routine but I think that also it's really interesting to look at people who have lives that aren't that different from your own and the mm-hmm. way they kind of write some things and phrase things sometimes makes you realize things about yourself and your own life so I think they're fun too but it's definitely good to have a mixture my mm-hmm. final choice is one that I read a few weeks ago and I think I mentioned it on here and it is Wild Game by Adrienne Brodeur can we just first of all mention how nice is that name Adrienne Brodeur how nice is that it's name it's like almost as though like the whole thing just like molds into one yeah like, it's like a Disney princess name, name? where does the second name start you know I just love, love it. it so Adrienne Brodeur wrote her memoir about the impact that her mother called Malabar had on her life so when I think she's 14 when this occurs her mother mm-hmm. starts an affair and she chooses Adrienne or Rennie as she calls herself in the book she chooses Rennie as the only confidant of this affair and she kind of enlists Rennie her 14 year old daughter to be complicit in this and to help her get away with the affair and it's about how this kind of fractures the relationship with between her and her mother she becomes really kind of she sees her mum as this idol and she kind of idolizes this act and it is how that has an effect on her own life and her own relationships how her relationship with her mother kind of seeps out and changes the relationships she has with other people and how other people are maybe able to see that and she isn't but what I really loved about this one is that it was first of all so eloquent I love it when you just click with a memoir writer's writing style I think that's really important because I just think if you click with the way the narrator tells a story like with fiction you're more likely to enjoy the story and this one just Mm -hmm. had such a beautiful writing style and I just loved how it felt like a character study style fiction come to life because you really got such a lens into the lives of Rennie and Malabar and this mother-daughter relationship which was so messy and at times very toxic and it was just really beautifully written and a just insightful reading experience into relationships. Mm-hmm. It's the kind of book that I really enjoy that will then affect how I write characters in fiction, which I find really interesting. I think sometimes, maybe that's why I'm also drawn to the more lifestyle mm-hmm. people living their contemporary lifestyle memoirs, because I think that they really impact the way I then write characters in fiction. So mm-hmm. I like that yeah, kind of nonfiction too. So that is my final recommendation. I feel like we got a right mix in there, which is good. We I sounded did, so Yorkshire we? then. We got, we got a, a right, right mix, mix in, in there. there. <laughs> so moving on quickly, because I can see we've been recording for 20 minutes. What well, is next on your nonfiction reading list? Okay, so I have one that's quite different from anything that I've read before, and that is Stephen King on writing. Ooh, I have that one too. It's a memoir on the craft. So I think partially it is him giving advice about writing, but I think it's also about his own experience of writing, how he started out as an author, his experiences with like substance abuse and how that affected his writing. And it just sounds really interesting. I love Stephen King and his books, so I'm very interested to hear more about that. And the other one that is on my list is called In the Days of Rain by Rebecca Stott. I got this one for my birthday. Um, Jay paid it up for me, and it is another one um, to go in with my list, my growing collection of memoirs that are about people who have left extreme religious upbringings. Ah, Oh, I remember Jay telling me about about it but it's around that theme and I clearly really enjoy that theme so um yeah gonna be 
hitting that one up soon. Love that for you. I had never heard of that second one, but I remember Jay talking about it when he was telling me what he got you for your birthday. Yeah. Okay, so my two that are next on my reading list, I'm so excited to read both of them. The first one is A Half-Baked Idea by Olivia Potts. And this is about Olivia's life when she is 25 years old. She very suddenly loses her mother. And so it is a book about grief and how she uses cooking and baking as a way to navigate that grief. I think it's gonna be really interesting. She gives up her career and joins Le Cordon, am I saying this right? Le Cordon Bleu? Bleu? I think that's the Le French Cordon Bleu. Uh, and yeah, it's about how cooking helps her navigate that grief. And I think this one will be really interesting. It sounds kind of like narrative nonfiction, which is something that I really enjoy. Definitely mm-hmm. if a fiction, a nonfiction feels like it could translate to fiction, that is yeah. always fun. So that is the first mm-hmm. one. And then I really want to read From Scratch by Tenby Locke, which says a memoir of love, Sicily and finding home. And I'm just going to read the kind of sentence on the back of the book because mm-hmm. I feel like that kind of sums it up and it says a poignant cross-cultural love story set against the lush backdrop of the Sicilian countryside where one woman discovers the healing powers of food and family and this is another one about a woman who she loses her husband quite suddenly as well so this is another one about grief and it is about how she moves to Italy and about how family and food help her navigate that I actually didn't realize until I just read these out loud (laughs) that both of these are about how you know finding your way yeah grief and food Um, And I think maybe that's a subconscious thing because I experienced grief this year that I want to pick up books that talk about navigating it. Maybe, I don't know, never really analysed that, but it seems that way. So those are the next two on my reading list. Nice. I feel like nonfiction is so good and I'm just so glad that I've like opened myself up to it because it's a whole new world and it is a good time. I feel like... Like you say, people associate it with like textbooks in school, but there's so many different types of nonfiction. I think it's just about finding what works for you, finding your niche. For me, I think it's definitely memoirs because obviously you can get other types of nonfiction and it's also like lifestyle memoirs and also political memoirs, but it is all about just finding your niche and it can be so much fun and offer, I think, a good welcome contrast to fiction sometimes. Yeah, I'd say at the moment at least, the best non-fictions that I've read, maybe I prefer to fiction. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot you can take away and learn from non-fiction. So I yeah. hope you enjoyed our recommendations. Please let us know what non-fictions you have been reading, what non-fictions are your favourites. And let's move on to the Agony Ant column. so the agony ant section which I was just about to start by trying to say that um it's going to be a struggle because we're clearly stumbling over our words and then we stumble over our words and then I'm dropped her phone but onwards we move so the agony ant question today is another one from our inbox it's very exciting we've been getting such an influx of questions which is always exciting um, and you're coming through with the juicy ones so thanks guys and just a reminder that you can always find that linked in our instagram bio and our instagram is just at we're spinning plates but um do you want to kick off with take it away question? yes I, this is a topic that I have been hoping that someone would ask us. Like, I was surprised that this hadn't come up yet, so I'm Mm -hmm. really excited to answer this one. So it says, hi, lovely girls. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Hello. Hello. First, I want to announce that following your podcast is without a doubt one of the highlights of my week. Oh, that is so lovely. Thank you you so much. Each episode guarantees a smile on my face and you're the loveliest, funniest company. (laughs) <laughs> that's so nice. This makes me feel better about the fact that we can't we Talk. can't speak this week. <laughs> I 
I have a question on my mind and I don't feel safe talking to any of my friends or my mum about it because I'm a bit ashamed of how I feel. This year I made an amazing friendship with a guy. I feel like if, if there is a concept of a soulmate that's what I see, I see him as. We are very similar, I love spending time with him and I feel that in his company I'm just myself. He gets me, you know? I don't think I've ever felt this way with any of my friends and I feel like it's reciprocated but I'm afraid I'm falling in love with him. I'm afraid I'm confusing my feelings with him because he is a guy. The way he treats me numbs me into making a clear distinction between friendship and a possible love interest. Girls, what do I do? So I feel like this question is saying that she's friends with a guy. She feels like it really could be romantic because they get each other, they're on the same wavelength, she loves Mm -hmm. spending time with him and she feels completely comfortable. But I don't know how you see this question, but I'm kind of getting the kind of getting the vibe that maybe she doesn't know if she just feels that way because it's of the, you know, it's of the opposite sex and she would usually go for the opposite sex in romantic relationships. Yeah, and whether or not it's that, like, classic thing of, like, guys and girls can't be friends without there being something more to it, um, which obviously isn't true. But equally, could that, like, then take away from you, like, allowing yourself to go on that journey, you know, like, because you worried that you're just falling into a cliche. So it is, it's tricky. And I feel like, you know it's there's so many things to unpick here because I think that you know I've said you know a lot of times (laughs) (laughs) think what just happened there is that my brain just disintegrated live on air (laughs) I've got a point it's coming so What I'm trying to say is that when you are friends with someone, obviously there is an element of romance and of a long-term romantic partner that is friendship, you know, at least for me and Jay, like, he's, like, my best friend and, you know, that's important to me. (laughs) Rude. You're you're my next best friend. Um, But (laughs) I have been best friends with Jay for longer, I have to say. Um, I'll allow, I'll allow. But, you know, that is likely going to be the person that you spend the most amount of time with. So if you're not friends with them as well as being romantically involved with them, I feel like it would be weird. Like, there has to be, like, a friendship level compatibility in your romantic relationships. However, I think with this circumstance, it's like establishing whether or not you are able to go to that next level or whether or not you want to however I would say that if the thought is crossing your mind if it's like something that you are struggling to process and this person is your person who you feel the closest to you've obviously said that they feel like a soulmate so it's like likely that they're like the person that you feel most connected with the only way to kind of go about it I think is just to try and be open and just say this is how I've been feeling. I appreciate that you might not feel the same. I don't even fully know if this is how I feel, but I just wanted to put it out there and just see what your thoughts are. Because I think, you know, naturally it seems as though they'd be the person that you'd be most likely to want to discuss this with. So I feel like you're never going to reach conclusion on your own. And also if you keep it to yourself for too long, like there is always the chance that they might feel the same, but be worried that you don't and then just move on with someone else. So... I feel when you're so close to someone, especially when, for example, in this situation, and I've had situations like this before where it is a man and a woman, and you're really close to someone in that way, people will always, from the sidelines, be saying to you, yeah, but what if it's romantic? Why aren't you together? Because I think society in general can't understand, like they don't think that Mm -hmm. a boy and a girl or a man and a woman can be friends without it becoming romantic. So I think if you are hearing it from kind of everyone else is saying it to you, that might be a different situation 
because yeah. you might be letting that influence the way you see your friendship. But it sounds like you really do love them. It sounds like you have a friend that you get on well with. My nana always says to me that friendship is the foundation of a good relationship, it like is, you just said. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's someone you are going to have to spend a lot of time with. And yeah. you, you do want to be able to tell them everything. You do want to be completely comfortable with them. So it sounds like you have all the elements of that friendship foundation for a relationship. And if you mm-hmm. do feel romantically about them, then I would say definitely raise that with them I think life is very can be very short life is short and so you have to do the Mm -hmm. things that are going to make you happiest and although it's very easy to say that from the sidelines because I know that it is it's a risk saying to your friend bringing that to the table because what if it changes the dynamic what if you are wrong and it isn't reciprocated it's very easy for us to say life's short bring it to the table say to him yeah do you feel the same way let's try a relationship it's very easy for us to say that because we're not involved but I Mm -hmm. think when you're in that it is a very scary thing to contemplate that relationship either changing and then not working out because that could happen or yeah if they don't reciprocate it but in situations like this you've got to think there is something that you could lose but there's so much that you could gain I think yeah. this sounds like a really healthy foundation for a relationship it sounds like something that is worth taking a chance on 100%. if you have literally used the word soulmate I mean that's yeah. such a lovely word and it's I'm so happy for you that you've found someone that makes you feel that way um, and I wouldn't let the fact that you have always been friends hold you back because I think for a lot of people that is where romantic relationships start yeah exactly and you know I just think it does sound like that solid and healthy foundation. It's not like you've rushed into anything, you've given it some serious thought, but at the end of the day, when you're like on the precipice of making that decision, then you've just got to ask yourself, do you care more about preserving the friendship, keeping things as they are and not rocking the boat, or would you feel more regret for not potentially seeing what could happen? Yeah, Because only you can know what you value the most, but like you said, um, there's so much that you could possibly gain, so... And with all these dating scenarios I do feel like it's about going with your gut and -hmm. if your gut tells you that you have more to gain than you do to lose then I think it's always worth going for it I think the scariest decisions are often have the most beneficial outcomes Mm -hmm. please let us know how this turns out also because I want to know love to know yeah because I feel like you know there's a good chance this could go positively but even if it doesn't I feel like all that that kind of shows you is that, okay, maybe there's a different person that's like meant to be your person later on, but at least then you know, because I do really feel like with these chances um, and things that you've been like thinking about for a long time, if you don't do it, then it will constantly be on your mind as a what if. Yeah. And then that and it might end up affecting your, yeah, yeah, it might end up affecting the friendship anyway. Yeah. So I say go for it. I, I say go for it, but I am also aware that it is you know it's a tricky one it is scary but but I think scary things can often have the best outcomes um so it it sounds like it's a healthy enough friendship that you would have a chance of withstanding any kind of yeah you know if they if they were like I'm not sure I want that then it sounds like it's a healthy enough foundation that you'll be able to deal with that situation if that was the situation but to be honest sounds like it could be a really good step forward it sounds like it will be Mm. reciprocated so good luck with whatever you decide to do and please report back because this is the kind of question that I have been hoping would come up because it's the kind of question I want to know the outcome to yeah I know it's nice to like keep keep updated on these things yeah 
So because we prattled on about books and generally just rambling on because we are clearly experiencing Delusional. social burnout, <laughs> I feel like we should keep it short this week with the Agni Ant column. We have got a couple more really kind of long-winded questions that I think will be worth us delving into on a day when we aren't when we tired. Can talk. Yeah. <laughs> when we can talk properly. Like this might seem, I don't know how Jay's going to edit it, but he always makes it sound seamless. So it might not seem like we've been having a rough time, but I think Kira's about to throttle me through FaceTime because of the amount of times I've had to re-record my bits. <laughs> Lol. I do feel like at some point we should release a bloopers episode. <laughs> the bloopers would consist of you going, do this, do it now. <laughs> if you don't do it right now, then I'm cancelling this episode. <laughs> um, you've got to do a little bit of tough love with M because otherwise she'll just critique herself over and over again. Yeah, and that's the thing that works. It doesn't get any better. Mm-hmm. Like if anything, they become worse <laughs> each time because I think the more you try and polish yourself in terms of like scripting words, the more you allow yourself to stumble because you get confused True. and you start worrying. Whereas actually, you as you are, you're great, but you just are overcritical <laughs> and I've got to. Just I am constantly down. getting told off by Kira about being too self-critical. You need friends like that in your life, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and on that note, let's conclude this episode and go to bed. <laughs> yes. Good night. <laughs>